Welcome to the Lean Smarts Podcast. This episode, episode 10, is part two concerning 10 best practices when going to the Gemba, containing tools and tricks that you can use to make sure that you do better than just going through the motions when you arrive on the production floor and instead get deep insights and understanding concerning what's actually going on. So in part one, I covered the first five of these 10 best practices, which you can find, go to leansmarts.com or just pull up the podcast in your, in your player. And I've also created a simple summary document that's a great reference tool for you to take to the Gemba to practice all these tools. It's a, a one-pager that summarizes each of the 10 with a few bullet points um, with added details. So you can get that at leansmarts.com slash Gemba tools uh, to download that and use it the next time you visit the floor. So let's continue this two-part series with the last five Gemba best practices. Best practice number six is to take a time-lapse video. Now, this is a great tool, but it has to be used properly, just like any tool. This is not the holy grail. It's not actually superior to standing there in person and watching the Gemba. Technology is cool, and there's creative ways of using it, but you got to be aware that every technology has its limitations. So here's some great things about a time-lapse video. You can extract cycle times. Sometimes there's so much going on in a process that you actually cannot measure on a stopwatch or your phone in real time. There's just too much going on, or it might be too complicated and you keep getting lost. So you can use a video. In fact, I will use this in combination with a stopwatch to watch a process and I'll be trying to take some times or just deeply, deeply observing and then recording a video that then has precise times that I can reference, you know, very soon after the fact. So you can extract cycle time information and a ton of it if there's multiple people, multiple machines, lots of, you know, things going on. That's awesome. You can also replay it. You can't go back in time when you're just watching in person. So being able to replay is really great. You can also share it. It's a communication tool. Whatever you learn can be directly observed by anyone else. And you can also scrub quickly through the video. You can scrub forward at a fast pace or, or back and see changes over time, over 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. Just see how the production floor shifts and things move and the inventory you know, is transported around or whatever it is. You'll see those anomalies, those abnormalities very obviously when you scrub through a video like that. At the same time, video has some limits. And so you need to be aware of them. And it's why I also recommend that you be physically present whenever you're recording video. Now, I don't always do that. Sometimes I, I don't. But it's always better to be also watching with your eyeballs at the same time that the lens of your camera is recording a process. Because... If you set up the camera and walk away and then come back half an hour later, a number of things could happen. For one, the footage could be uh, terribly positioned. Maybe the, the process three minutes in is now out of frame and you can't even see it. Well, you just wasted 27 minutes recording in empty space, right? So you want to be present because things change. And unless you really, really know what's going to happen, uh, you can't anticipate that when you set up the video. Secondly, if something happens 
that is unexpected, if you're not there in person, you can't just jump into your iPhone, into the video, and ask the operator, hey, what just happened right there? Why did you walk off screen? Or why did you do this step out of sequence? If you're not present, you can't ask, and you can't understand. And you might be looking at the video, and the video doesn't tell you enough about what's going on to answer those questions. You have to talk to the person. So if you don't review the video quickly after, after recording it, it could be too late. It could be stale data that even the operator doesn't recall because you're asking him a week later and it's just a blur, right? So video is useful, but be careful with it and um, be present whenever you can so that you can have the best of both worlds. Your direct observation and ability to also pick up parts, talk to people, touch machines, look around, but then also the video and scrubbing forward, backward, replaying, getting cycle times, you name it. Best practice number seven for tips and tools to use in the Gemba is to notice the inventory. If you're observing the Gemba, I assume that you know the seven wastes and you're looking for them. At the same time, you will do yourself a great favor if you pay particular attention to inventory. This is what I mean. How much inventory is there in terms of quantity? How much stuff? Maybe you can even count. Also space. How much space is being consumed by the inventory? And thirdly, how much time is represented by the quantity of inventory you're looking at? That's going to tell you a lot about the value stream uh, that this process is in. Looking at all the other wastes is going to be good for understanding this point of the process in the larger value stream and looking for very local issues and inefficiencies and problems. But when you look at the inventory, especially across the entire value stream, when I say value stream, I'm talking about all of the steps in the production process in a sequence to complete a product or service. Um, when you look at inventory through the entire chain, start to finish, you can understand where there are larger problems and bottlenecks and um, not enough resource, not enough people or machines or whatever it might be. So pay attention to the inventory. You want to ask yourself, why am I seeing this inventory? Why is there this much inventory here? This inventory represents eight hours of time, meaning um, it will take eight hours to consume all of this inventory at this process. Why is there that much inventory here? Because that's a lot of overproduction. Just keep asking the question why, and you will learn some very deep and insightful things about the production floor. Best practice number eight is to measure space and count things. Now you can use a tape measure, you can also use a um, smartphone app. They're not precise like a, a tape measure might be, but you can get some you know, approximate measurements there. And you can measure the space, how much space is being used here. And the reason why is because you want to, in time, practicing Kaizen, challenge yourself to use less space. The less space you use, almost all the time, you're gonna be more efficient and more uh, create more value and less waste in that smaller footprint. So you want to pay attention to it. You also want to count things. Uh, when counting, you want to ask, what does that tell me about the process? If I look at the tools and how many tools there are, 
if there are five hammers, well, why are there five hammers here? What does that tell me about this process or the practice of 5S here? Or counting inventory, as I mentioned before, that can tell you a lot. Or counting the number of people, number of machines, number of error messages on the machine screen and terminal, you name it. Just count stuff because that might tell you something about what you're observing. Best practice number nine is to ask yourself, what's now and what's next? What I'm referring to is really scheduling. Is it obvious at a glance in just a few seconds looking around what is right now? Meaning as I'm watching this operator, what are they working on right now? Can I know and find out immediately? Or is it really vague? Is it not clear visually in the workplace what is being worked on? If I cannot tell what's being worked on right now without asking people, then it tells me that it's more difficult to manage uh, this area and this process. Meaning a team leader, supervisor, manager, they can't just walk through and know what's going on right away. Instead, they have to ask, hey, what's going on? That might be a necessary question, but it's not a good one because we should know what's going on. We should know what's supposed to be going on right now. And if we can't know right away at a glance what's supposed to be happening, then it's much more difficult for everyone at large to have accountability for focusing on what the customer wants, right? Now, the second part of this best practice is to ask, well, what's next? Hopefully, fingers crossed, you can just look and know what's supposed to happen next. But if you can't, and then you have to walk up to the operator and ask, hey, do you know what you're working on next after this job or whatever? It's not a good thing if the operator responds and says, I don't know. Now, it's probably not the operator's fault that he or she doesn't know what's supposed to be next, but it's also not good because really you want to be able to predict the future. When you practice lean really well and you stabilize your environment and then standardize it really well and you leverage and engage um, all the tools and the, the participation of every person, you can get to a, a place in which you can more or less predict the future. It all comes down to PDCA, the Deming cycle of plan, do, check, act. If you solve enough problems and st stabilize and standardize the production floor enough, then you can have a plan and you can do the plan. And when you check to see, were we successful doing the plan? You'll get a thumbs up like, yeah, we did it. We had a plan and we were able to follow through. We had a schedule and we were able to, to follow it. If you find that it's challenging to have a plan and then witness things go according to the plan, then it's because there are more problems and obstacles and things that have to be dealt with so that one day, hopefully soon, you can have a plan and it happens that way. Now, if organizations are struggling in this area, then they're not going to be able to answer the question, what's next, very well. If you can ask an operator what's next and they know immediately, then that tells you something about how well this organization is able to predict its future. Even better if visually you can look around and see precisely what's coming next. And so if you can look around and know what's now and what's next, it might tell you a lot about the processes and how robust they are and also 
management, how hard the organization is works to get to this point where it can actually predict fairly reliably what's now and what's next. And finally, best practice number 10, move your office to the production floor. You can get a mobile desk, a desk on wheels. You can get a laptop. You can do all kinds of things to actually move your uh, office space to where the value is being created. It's not the same as directly observing and you know a bunch of other tools that I've shared in this podcast so far, but it is actually helpful to a degree to move your workspace to where the value is being created and not live in some glass bunker up in the sky that is removed from the Gemba and put you that more out of touch and out of distance from what's actually going on. So if you really want to know the Gemba, then spend time there. And if you can't directly observe for minutes and hours at a time, then at least when you're working, you can spend time hopefully in the Gemba. Sure, there's things you might need to do that cannot be done on the production floor, and that's fine because you do have a different job and responsibility. But at the same time, you might discover that a lot can be accomplished when you're present on the floor. And that concludes all 10 best practices for going to the Gemba. Of course, there's got to be more. Perhaps you know some that you use commonly, but these are the 10 that come to my mind when I think of tools that will help you be more observant and gain better insights on your production floor. Now, just like any tool, they have to be used appropriately, right? The tool's not, it's only as good as the person wielding it. You can have a hammer and a screwdriver, but if you don't know how to use them right, then, you know, good luck. And that's why I created a summary document for this episode in the previous, containing all 10 best practices. On one page, you can have them with a few bullet points to jog your memory and take them to the production floor and practice using them so that it becomes easy, natural, and you can just recall whatever's needed to quickly and deeply understand the Gemba after a little bit of practice. So go to leansmarts.com slash Gemba tools, and you can download that one pager and take your Gemba game to the next level.